Well, turning your Bibles to Esther chapter 5, we're, of course, continuing our study of this Old Testament book, a history book, and it shows the, the power and the protection and the providence of God. Jewish people are really living in the Persian Empire, but they're under the threat of death. If you remember, a decree was written by a man named Haman, signed by the king, allowing the destruction of the Jews on a certain day. And this morning, we're going to see how Mordecai and Esther try to stop the destruction Esther is the Jewish queen, and she's going to go before the king. And as we look at this passage, and, and I don't know if you realize this, but think about waking up every morning knowing that at a certain day we'll all be killed. Because that's, that's what the Jewish people are experiencing in the book of Esther. Waking up every day knowing that if something doesn't change, which the laws of the Medes and the Persians couldn't be changed, then they're going to be killed. And think if you're Esther, you wake up this particular morning knowing you're going to go in before the king and you don't know that when, he come, when you go before him, whether he'll accept you or not. And if he doesn't accept you, you'll be killed. This may be your last morning. So we're going to see it. And as we go through this passage, let me raise some issues for us to think about, okay? How can we approach God? Think about it. I mean, we're going to see Esther approach the king. How do, how do we approach God? How do you have a relationship with God? How do you have fellowship with God? Second is realize the providence of God. Because it's in this book, and I think that's what's so amazing about the book of Esther, we see God works in everything. I mean, who is it that raised up Esther to be the queen? Who put Mordecai at the gate so he could find out and save the king's life? Who's working all these events? God is, but he's never even mentioned in the book. And what's amazing is sometimes we go through life and we never even mention him but realize, don't even realize he's working every event. He's behind everything. The third thing is the issue of pride and self-image. Where, where do you get your value? Where do you get your self-image? What do you think about yourself? And we see this man named Haman and he says, look at all my sons, look at all my money, look at my position, look at this. He gets his self-image from what he has and what he does. What really being brings satisfaction? Where is our value? As we look at this passage, we're going to see the providence of God, the sovereignty of God, and the working of God. It's all in there, and we'll see how it happens. Well, let me ask you, have you ever lost your nerve? I mean, you were going to do something, and then you do it now. Okay, I'm, I'm going to date myself because uh, when I was a teenager, you could call a girl, but you could hang up, and, but they wouldn't have a way to trace your number. You know, it's not like today. You can say, who is this guy? So you might call her and say, I'm going to ask this girl out, and you're so nervous. And then she answers, and you go, you know, right? You ever lost your nerve? Let me ask you this. Have you ever known that this is an opportunity to share your faith? I mean, it's coming up, and you know that you should start talking about it, but you don't. And you lose your nerve. You go, oh, I know I should have talked about it. Well, in Esther chapter 5, it looks like Esther loses her nerve. I mean, we read it a while ago. What is she going in to tell the king? She's supposed to go tell the king, listen, our lives are, I mean, you know, the Jewish people are all going to be killed. You've got to do something about it. And what does she do? She goes in and says, how about coming to a banquet? And then they're at the banquet. He says, what do you want? And she goes, how about coming to another banquet? Right? And we go, why didn't you tell him? God is working. She invites the king to the banquet, tell her what she wants, and she says, come to another banquet. It looks like she loses her nerve. God is in control. 
Let's be reminded where we are. Esther, of course, has been chosen to be the queen of the Persian Empire, not by chance. God's working all things. Mordecai, her adopted father, who is actually her cousin, has a nice government job. An evil man by the name of Haman, for some reason, has been named number two in the kingdom. And when Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him, because Haman comes out and he wants everybody to bow down, he says, you know, I'm number two, and everybody's supposed to bow down, but Mordecai wouldn't bow down, and they found out, they said, they kept asking, Mordecai, why don't you bow down to this guy? And Mordecai said, I'm Jew, I'm a Jew, I don't bow down. Well, Haman found that out, and he said, you're a Jew, you don't bow down? I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to kill not only Mordecai, I'm going to kill every Jew. So he went to the king and said, by the way, king, there's some people in the kingdom that they're just not very good and they don't keep the same laws or anything. It'd be really good if we wiped them out. I'll pay the money to wipe them out. And the king says, here's my ring, wipe them out. He didn't even ask who they are. He didn't say, who are these people? It's the Jews. But the king doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know that his queen Esther is Jewish. So we got a trouble. He makes the deal. They cast the lots. The thing is all written up. On the 13th day of the 12th month, every Jew will be killed. And last time we saw Mordecai go to Esther and say, you've got to go into the king and talk to him. And Esther said, I can't go to see the king because you can't just walk in to see the king. It's just not like going in to see a friend. I mean, he's the king. He sits on the throne. If you walk into the room and he doesn't uh, acknowledge you, they kill you. I mean, he's got this scepter, and if you walk in, if he puts the scepter down, you come touch the top of the scepter, everything's okay. But if he doesn't put the scepter down, you're dead. I don't think I can go see him. And Mordecai said, let me tell you something. And he said these three things. He said, just because you're the queen, you will not escape because you're Jewish. Number two, God will save his people some way. Whether it's you, Esther, or somebody else, God's going to save his people because that's his promise. However, Esther, you are queen for such a time as this. God has put you here. So we ended the last chapter by, by them all saying, she said to them, okay, look, tell everybody to go. And for three days and three nights, uh, everybody fast. And usually with the Jewish mindset, fasting and prayer went together. But it doesn't mention prayer. Some people say that God or prayer is not even mentioned in the book. And so she says, if everybody will just fast for three days, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up. And on that day, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to see him. And so as we look at our chapter this morning, this is what's going to happen. Esther goes and visits the king, and he invites, she invites them to the, to the banquet, and they go, and, and they go to the banquet, and she does, does she tell the king? The answer is no, she doesn't. She invites them to another banquet. And then we see Haman's reaction to everything. There's pride, there's happy, he's mad, happy and mad at the same time. But we're going to see his plan. Well, let's watch what happens. Esther chapter 5, look at verse 1. The three days have passed, she's ready to go see the king. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's room, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance of the palace. Now it's the third day. They've been fasting. That's what they were supposed to do in verse 16 back in chapter 4. And so she's put on her royal robes. Most believe that royal robes in those days were blue, and that, so she had on these blue robes, and she steps into that room. And there's a, it was a big room and it had columns down the side. He had a throne that he sat on this throne, and then it was big open space like this with columns down the side and that was the entrance back that way and it's as if she walked in and stood at the very back and he could see her it says she walked in in front of the king and the king was sitting on his throne opposite the entrance of the palace she's putting her life now listen she's not putting her life in Xerxes hands Ahasuerus she has no idea what he'll do she's putting her life in God's hands She's got to trust God. She never knew what kind of mood he'd be in, but she knows about God. And let me ask you something. What about our lives? 
Who do, how, do, how do we trust God with our lives? I want you to think about it. Two different things. First of all, our salvation. Our eternal destiny is in the hand of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And what? No man comes to the Father except through me. All of us in this room, I hope and pray that every one of you have said, I am trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I am entrusting my eternal destiny to Jesus who died for me and rose again. And he's the one that gives me eternal life. I am trusting him and him alone. But not only that, there's the Christian life, as Stephen sang in that song. Our whole life is in his hands while we're on this earth. And in fact, it's always in his hands. And we say, as I go through life, I have to trust you, Lord. I give it all to you. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the next five minutes hold. But I'm trusting in you. She's going in unannounced. She knows that she could die. She was not thinking, listen to this. I think she was not thinking so much what the king might do to her, but what... God might do through her. And see, that's how we want to think about life. Not what life's going to do to us, but what God can do through us. Because God will take you, and He will use you beyond what you could imagine. Well, she comes in, look what happens. Verse 2, When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. So Esther came and touched the top of the scepter. When she walked in, the king looked and he saw Esther. He went, Esther. And he put the thing down. Because he knows that if he doesn't do something, there's guards at the back. If he just kind of goes, that could be the end of whoever's standing back there. So he sees her, and he puts it down, and she walks all the way up and touches the top of the scepter. And she touched the top of the scepter. It found favor. God's providence is working. You know what? Proverbs 21.1, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it the way he wants. God is working all the things. You ever thought about when Cyrus, king of Persia, took over this is long before that, but he became be the king of the Persian Empire. Suddenly, he decided to let the Jews go home. Why is that? Because God already said 70 years earlier that the King Cyrus would have his people go home. God works. God's working. God raises up kings. God sets down kings. Think about it. She came to approach the king. How do we approach God? You ever think about it? How can we approach God? First of all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we can't approach God on our own. Do you realize that? You can't go to God. The only way you can go to God is through His grace and found in Jesus Christ. We come based on His grace. For by grace we've been saved through faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We can approach God through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And day in and day out, the only way you can approach God for salvation is Jesus Christ. The only way you can approach God day in and day out, you can come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus Christ has gone before you and He is your mediator and He is your intercessor. The only, that's why when we pray, we say in Jesus' name is not to tell us it's the end. It's to tell us that we're approaching God in Jesus. Jesus has gone before us. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you have come to God through Jesus Christ. He's the only way, by faith. Well, watch what happens. The king said to her, What's troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it should be given to you. He knew something was wrong. She would not take the chance to come in there to see him unless something was wrong. And he knew it. And so he said, what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom. He's really saying is, I'll give you anything you want. 
What do you want? What do you need? So if some friend comes to you and says, I need the help, and you say, half the kingdom, whatever you need, whatever you need. See, he supplies every need that we have, does he not? Jonathan Edwards wrote this, Thou art coming to the king, large petitions you may bring for his grace and power as such. None can ever ask too much. You can never ask too much. Have you ever thought about saying, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go to God with a big thing or a little thing, or I shouldn't go to God with little bitty things. How many things are big to God? Nothing. Everything's a little thing. If you said, I could go to God with big things, but I don't want to go to God with little things, God says, everything's little to me. I'm God. Well, Esther has a plan, so look what she does. Esther said, If it pleases the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet notice that I have prepared for him. Look, she's already prepared a banquet. Listen, for the king and Haman, she's, she, she doesn't know if she's going to die or not, but she's already got it all ready. She's got the banquet ready to go. So as she goes in and, and he spares her life and he says, What do you want? She says, i got a banquet prepared like in the next room over there. I want you and Haman to come to the banquet. She invites Haman. It doesn't seem strange because it's not strange because he's number two in the kingdom. Haman is, so she's inviting the king and his number one man to come. So look what happens. The king said, Bring Haman quickly, that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Can you imagine what Haman thought? And we already know what kind of guy he is, right? He's an evil man, but he, he's a prideful man. He thinks he's, he wants everybody to bow down to him. And so he gets a request and said, by the way, the king just called, and the queen is having a banquet, and the banquet is for you and the king. He goes, really? Well, great, great. I'm getting to go to the banquet. I'm, I, I, anybody else coming? No, no. Just me and the king and the queen. I mean, I'm pretty top dog. That's what Haman thinks, right? That's what Haman thinks. Haman says, who is more important than me? king said, bring Haman quickly that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had, prepare, uh, had prepared. So verse 6, look what happens. As they drank their wine at the banquet, the, queen said, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be done. Now while they're eating and drinking and it looks like everybody's in a good mood. So you think Esther could be thinking, okay, he's in a good mood. Everything's going good. I'm going to look at him and say, that bad man right there, he wrote a decree to kill all the Jews, and I'm Jewish, and he's going to kill all of us, and you've got to do something about it. Isn't that what we think she's supposed to do? I mean, that's her petition. He says, look, just tell me what you need. So Esther replied, my petition and my request is, if I found favor in the sight of the king, and I have, and if that pleases the king to grant my petition, and he has, to do what I request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet which I prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. What? What do you need? Um, how about another banquet tomorrow, and then I'll tell you. Did she lose her nerve? See, for the king and Haman to come tomorrow, she wants them to come to another banquet. I'm sure the king doesn't care. I mean, he, banquets are great, right? I'm sure Haman thinks, what could be better than this? Back-to-back -back banquets with the king and the queen. Why didn't she tell him? If we look at it from a human standpoint, the king has already said twice, I'll give you anything you want. The king is in a banquet. He's happy. 
This is her chance to say it, and she doesn't say it. Why? Was she afraid? Was she afraid that if she said, Haman's done this, that the king will say, no, 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 Haman's my number two man, I don't care. Or was it to build his curiosity? Ah, wait another day and I'll tell you. Could it be that? Or could it be that it's God's timing? That it's God working? In case you haven't read chapter 6, you might between now and next week read chapter 6. Because she may have said as she walked out, why didn't I say something? This was my perfect chance. I don't know why I said, come to another banquet. I don't, what has happened to me? Why did I even think that way? Well, we have to find out that the king's not going to be able to sleep this coming night. And there's a reason for it. And there's a reason that the banquet is the next day. See, God is working. We must trust the unknown future into the hands of the all-knowing, all-powerful God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes things happen and we go, that's not right. That's not what I wanted. That, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to do this over here, not this over here. But we have to trust God. Between the banquets, we're going to see God working. Well, look at verse 9. Then Haman went out that day glad and pleased of heart. Well, why not? <laughs> He's big time. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. As he leaves the banquet, he's on top of the world. You know what he says? I really am number two. In fact, with a little luck, I could be number one. Who knows what could happen? I may be the king someday. You never know. I mean, who else got invited to the banquet with the king and the queen but me and for the second day in a row? This is so great. I'm so happy. And then he sees Mordecai. And Mordecai does not tremble before him. And he's filled with rage. See, he sees Mordecai and he gets angry. Mordecai doesn't stand up. And so what did he do? Verse 10... Haman controlled himself. Wow. He controlled himself, however. He went to his house and sent for his friends and his wife's zirits. He controlled himself. You know what he said? Uh, it's just a matter of time. You're all going to be dead. I don't care. Just a matter of time. You're all going to be dead. So he called for his family and he called for his friends. He said, I want everybody to come over to the house because I need to tell everybody how good I am. That's what I want. I want everybody to come to my house and I tell them how good I am. So look at verse 11. Then Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches and the number of his sons and every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. So he got everybody there. And here's what he said. He said, I'm rich. Nobody's richer than me in the whole kingdom. And look at my kids. I have ten sons. I mean, who has ten sons? I mean, I'm big time. And my position, I've been magnified by the king. Nobody else is that big. Now, you, let me ask you a question. Are you supposed to brag on yourself? I mean, let's think about it. Are you supposed to brag? Look what the Bible says. Proverbs 27.2, let another praise you and not yourself. I mean, even if you do something good, let somebody else say how good that is. And the best thing to ever say is, grace of God all the way. Boy, that was really good. Ah, grace of God. 
Really? Let somebody else brag on you. But what is Haman saying? I'm rich. I got ten sons. I'm magnified by the king. He's proud and bragging. John Barrymore, which was the father of Lionel Barrymore, who was the grandfather of Drew Barrymore, he was an actor. In fact, he was a stage actor. Here's what he said. He was a famous actor at the turn of the century, and here's what he said. One of my chief regrets all these years in the theater is that I can't sit in the audience and watch myself. Thank you very much, you know. Haman would say, one of my chief regrets is I can't watch myself walk by. I'm so famous. I'm so important. I've got great family. I've got everything. How do people base their importance and their value? Some, some look at their possessions. What do you have? Your position? What do you do? We begin to look at our self-esteem and our self-identity and we begin to say is, I got this and I got this and look at my house and look at my cars and look at my money and look at my position and look at my authority and look at this and look what I can do. Look how fast I am. Look how strong I am. Look at, and we begin to do that. We've got it all in the wrong place. Where does our value come from? Let me show you something. It comes from our person and our relationship with God. Let's talk about our person. We are created in the image of God. Every person in this room. You want to talk about how valuable you are? You want to talk about your self-identity? It is that you have been created by the living God. He created every one of us in the womb. He made you. He formed you. It's, in fact, the Hebrew word there, what it says, we're wonderfully and you know, fearfully made, it's really the word for a tapestry. It's like he just formed this thing perfectly, and he said, that's J.B. Now, he's going to wish he was tall, but he's not. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That's J.B. And then here is Brian, and he's going to wish he was just like J.B. And then here's, you know, <laughs> right? But he made every one of us unique and special. Every one of us. Your identity is the fact that God created you. And the second thing is for us, our identity is that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we're children of God. By faith in Jesus Christ, we belong to Him. As many as received Him to them, He gave the right to become children of God, even those who believed in His name. So what do you look for to, to have your identity? It's not your money, your possessions, your things, nothing. It'll never satisfy, by the way. We're going to see it in just a minute. It's the fact that God created you and uniquely made you. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. That's where our identity comes from. Well, notice again that he's bragging. And look at verse 12. Haman said, Even Esther the queen, let no one but me come with the king to the banquet which she had prepared. And tomorrow also I'm invited by her with the king. He says, Esther invited no one but me to, to the, today to the banquet and also tomorrow. Listen, I'm, I'm the most important person in this kingdom. That's who I am. Pride goes before the fall. By this time tomorrow, he's going to wish he had never heard of the queen. Now notice this truth. He says, all of this, even though I've been invited, i got sons, i got riches, i got power, I've, I've been invited with the, to the queen and the king twice, yet all of this, notice verse 13, yet all of this does not satisfy me every time I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. 
See, I want you to understand something. That money, possessions, power, position can never satisfy. Because if you got something, pretty soon it's old and you got to get something else. And the more you have, the more you got to have it. It never satisfies. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. How much money is enough money? Just a little bit more than I have right now will be enough money. Nothing, things never satisfy. He's got everything he could ever want. And he says, none of this satisfies me every time I see who? I see Mordecai because I want to kill him. I want to kill him. And listen, let me tell you something. The only thing that matters, the only thing that will satisfy you is not things. It's relationship. The relationship with God, the relationship with your family, and the relationship with your friends. When you're dying, you're not going to say, where's my car? Where's my coin collection? You're going to say, I'm about to meet my God. Where's my family? And where's my friends? None of this other stuff will satisfy. And you can spend your whole life pursuing it. This is what Haman's done. This is what so many people do. You don't need it. You need your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, and your relationship with your friends. Well, look what happens. Now, you know, we're going to meet his wife named Zeresh, and we want you to know what a sweet woman she is. All right? Look what she says. Then Zeresh's wife and all his friends said to him, Why don't you do this? Have gallows 50 cubits high made, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then joyfully, go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And the king advised Haman, and the vice uh, pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. Now let me tell you something. Is, is she a nice lady? I mean, what she says, honey, let's do this. If you're not very happy, why don't you have these gallows made 75 feet high and have Mordecai hung on the gallows, and then you'll be happy. He's dead. You can go to the banquet. You could eat and have a great time. And by the way, don't, don't think this is like hangman. This is not gallows like hangman. This is a stick that is sharpened 75 feet up and the person is impaled all the way through. So the stick is all the way through the body and so the person is stuck up on a stick 75 feet high. 75 feet high so everybody can see it. And she says, why don't you have a big old stick made, real sharp point, and then go in and see the king and tell the king you'd like to kill Mordecai. And he'll say, okay, and then you'll kill Mordecai, stick him up there, and then you can go to the banquet. And he said, sounds like a great idea. Let's make the gallows. Let's make the big stick. That's the plan. Kill him and you'll feel good. So he has the gallows made. Now I want you to picture something. It's about to be nighttime. The banquet's the next day. He's had the gallows made. And he's thinking, very early in the morning, I'm going to go in and see the king. And I'm going to ask him to kill Mordecai. And then about lunchtime, I'll have the banquet. That's my plan. I'm going to get up pretty early in the morning, and I'll go see the king and tell him I'd like to kill Mordecai. What, we, what he doesn't know is the king can't sleep that night. God's timing. Guilt builds the gallows tonight. Ask in the morning. God's working in these events. Will this evil man triumph? What happened when the king can't sleep on this night? God is working. Esther takes her life in her hands to see the king. He puts down the scepter. He asks her what she wants. Come to a banquet. He asks her at the banquet. She says, come to a banquet the next day. It looks like she's afraid. It looks like she may be uh, chickened out, so to speak. But God's working. He says, I need a day. I need a night to get everything ready for tomorrow. 
And Haman says, we're going to build this gallow. We're gonna, I'm going to go in early in the morning. I'm going to get, get Mordecai killed, and then I can relax. And then it won't be many days after that. Some months later, we'll kill all the Jews. God, God is in control. What have we seen? Let's, let's live our lives resting in God. He is in control. Look to each day and rest in Him. He is the sovereign one. He is working in the events of our lives. He brings things about. We don't even know what's going on. There is no chance or fate. God is working even when it doesn't look like it's going right sometimes. You just have to trust God because He is in control. He is working. Second, we can approach God only through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. When when. Esther came before the king and he put down the scepter. That's the only way she could approach the king. The only way you can approach the living God is through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. So think about this as far as salvation is concerned. It's only in Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can come to God. It's through Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to God. There's only one way to God. And that's Jesus. Second, as far as Christian life is concerned, Jesus goes before us. He is our intercessor. He is our mediator. And we can approach the living God through Jesus Christ. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. And last but not least, only God can satisfy. Your relationship with God and your family and your friends, those kind of things, that's the only thing that can satisfy you. You can't get your worth or security from possessions or power. Pride will always bring you down. Things will never, never satisfy. Our self-image goes back to the fact that we're created by God, and that we who know Christ as Savior, we are His children. So where, where do you look? Where do you look to get your peace and security? I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, the only way you can come to God, the only way you can have life is through Jesus Christ and is by faith alone and Christ alone. And you can trust Him right where you're sitting right now. You can believe in Him as your Savior and you approach the living God. And your value and your image is that he created you and that he saved you and you're his child. May we come to God only by his grace through Jesus Christ. May we trust him in the events of our lives, looking as our source of peace, security, and self-image.